Have you ever gone through a season within life where, um, you know, you, you were setting out to accomplish something? You were setting out to, uh, uh, you know, obtain something. You were uh, maybe possibly in a, a moment of puzzled, like you weren't sure of what was going on. And have you ever said this phrase right here, now what? Right? Like, now what am I supposed to do? You know, we've all been in those circumstances. And, you know, we, we can look at this within relationships. We can look at it uh, with, within decision-making and decisiveness. We can look at it within meeting certain objectives and goals. And then we take a step back and we think about that statement of now what? Or that question of now what? Depending on how you're using it. One of the things I love about our church is the vision of it. That we are a church of action. We're not a church of reaction where we are reacting to everything around us, but we are leading a way and we're making sure that the message of Christ is being spread, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not settled by just being called a church, but we are a church of action. And when you look right now and, and look toward tomorrow and, and we don't really have an answer as to what that might look like or the next season of life and, and not feel comfortable with making any major decisions, one of the things that I try to do within my own personal life is take a look back at history. History within Scripture. And because not only is Scripture there to bring encouragement and discipline and show love and compassion, but the Scriptures are there to also give us the direction in which we are to go and help us within our decision-making. For example, imagine at the beginning of the year, which we were in at some point, you know, we, of course we'd all like to throw up 2020 and just get rid of it and let's go to 2021. But if you recall within the beginning of the year, we opened with a sermon series strictly on prayer. We talked about the effects of prayer, the importance of prayer. We talked about the, the models of prayer within scripture and how we are to use those as examples within our lives to better us. Who would have thought just a few weeks later that you and I would be going through a stretch of approximately three months where we have either been quarantined or separated or told what we can and cannot do where you can and cannot go? If, if you were to ask me back then, would all of this happen? My response would have been like, absolutely not. No way. And in fact, what I see many of us have allowed to happen within our lives is some complacency. Now, I recall a season before all of this took place where I was praying, God, do something with us. Do, do something with me as an individual. Do something with us as a church. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that for your own life? Like God mold me or break me or, or God just bless me or, or God give me opportunity to do more or whatever it might be. Sure you have. We have all, because we want to break the mold sometimes. Because after a while, the mold becomes very complacent. What happens? We, we kind of get tired of it. And so many of us, that's where we were. We were in a place where we needed God to do something, you know. And we see within Scripture um, where God uses separation like we have been going through right now that we can glean from that. 
If you take a look in, in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, you see where God used separation with Adam and Eve in the garden. We see where God used separation with Noah in the ark and God separated Paul and Silas when they were in prison. And how about Joseph within Potiphar's house? Daniel was separated into the lion's den. Why do I say all of these things? Is because when God brought that separation, even though it could have been either a result of sin or it could have been a result of other people's actions, God used it in the abnormality that it was to do some really cool things and some great things. In fact, we can even read within scripture where Satan, the enemy, the devil himself, the author of all confusion, used separation of Christ, trying to separate him into a tomb. But thankfully for you and I as believers, that he didn't realize the power that was inside of him, that Jesus would burst forth from that tomb. So we go through phases in life. We go through, watch this, you go through a normal phase, you go through an abnormal phase, and then you go through the new normal. What does normal look like? You are normal. You're normal and we are often not satisfied with where we're at. So we're praying for more. We're praying for change. We're praying for God to, to either break us down or to mold us up. We're praying for God to do a shift. We're praying for God to end relationships or begin new relationships. How about it? We're praying for our own spiritual well-being. Like, God, I feel... Just, just stale spiritually, and, and I need you to do something. So that, that actually becomes, in a sense, a normal phase for us. Now here's the abnormal. The abnormal could be defined as the process of that change. That's the unfamiliar environment or the territory. That is the things and, and, and the times where we get uncomfortable because what we were used to is no longer. Does anybody like not like change? Right? Yeah, some of us do. We don't like it, but we need it. I, for one, I love change. I, I gravitate to change, and some, sometimes it gets on some people's nerves, but I can't help that. But once we go through that abnormality, guess what we go into? We go into a new normal, the new normal. How can normal be new when normal is just normal? Have you ever thought about that? We hear that term all the time, the new normal. What does that mean really? That means us going into something, a new season, a different environment that God potentially, and I'm believing, is setting us up for some big things. Now, God has either allowed or taking us, taken us into this season of life. Look, normal is nice, but it's also benign. It's a land where you can chill and put things just on autopilot. It's funny I was talking with uh, Brad, our, our worship leader, uh, this week, and I said, isn't it strange how we knew of things that we wanted to see done here at the church with technology and in advancing within social media platforms and giving different opportunities? But, and we knew we needed to advance in that, but yet we were complacent with where we were because we weren't making any ripples. And all of a sudden, this very things that we were praying for God to give us a different platform, now a different platform is laid on our lap. The question is, what are we choosing to do with the platform that God has laid on our lap? I'm going to take a look at an example this morning with the children of Israel. They were God's chosen people. They actually went through these same stages. God used a period of separation for his people to glean from it. In other words, they were to... To, to, to navigate through it, but while they're doing that, they're, they're going to grow, they're going to change, they're going to be remolded or broken down. 
some of the things that they went through that we are actually going through in our own lives. So we're going to take a look at a parallel between God's people back then and God's people today. 430 years God's people spent within Egyptian slavery. The whip or the chain, uh, the making the bricks from the straw, uh, the, the, the domination from the Egyptians, that was their norm. So it's obvious to me that they would be praying a prayer as in God, change us. Change my environment. Change the way things are going. I know that there's more for my life than where we currently are. Has anyone ever prayed a prayer like that? Sure you have. And I can't help but think that the same type of prayer was going with them. And then God leads a man and calls a man and places him into a place of leadership. Let's take a look in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. It says this. Now, so now go. I am sending you. I want to pause here for a second because watch this. Don't move unless God says move. Can I help you out with that? But on the flip side, if God says move, you better move. You're never truly happy unless you're following the pattern of which God has laid before your life. So it says, now come, or this version, so now go, I am sending you. I, meaning God, and sending who? Moses to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Some people simply just don't like change. They don't like to break the normal. But it takes for God to bring leadership within our lives in order for that to happen. Like myself, I, people will look at me and they'll say, well, you're the, you're the pastor, you're the leader of the church. Sure, but I have people above me and I have people that I call out to to be my mentors and to be my leaders. Because if I'm just dwelling and, 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 and uh, just looking for the answers from me rather than going to godly counsel of those who God has placed in my life, this is going to fail. It's going to be absolutely a big mistake. So Moses is leading the people out of their normal, we know this, into a new normal or into a wilderness, which would be actually the abnormality. For us, we have been in a wilderness season. We have been in separation from what was so that God's people and in in, in the passage of scripture, they were now entering into a wilderness. And God is using a man by the name of Moses in leading his people from the new normal into, from the old normal rather, into the new normal. But the problem here is that they were in a season of abnormality. Abnormality, that is a place of preparation for us. Now before that could happen, God had to do some things. Um, we, we see that how he led them through all of this. One was uh, the ten plagues were sent so that Pharaoh would give up control. You read uh, further along within the scriptures and you see where they were led by fire by night and the pillar of cloud or the hand of a cloud by the daytime. You read within scripture because they had no provision of their own. So they were totally and completely dependent upon God's provision. So we read things like God provided manna for them. He provided the quail literally dropping from the air. God was taking care of his people. Now, now let me help you out. If he's taking care of them in their season of separation, in their season of abnormality, as he's beginning to prepare them, 
how much more also is God looking to do the same within our own very lives? He's never gave up on us. He's never looked at humanity and said there was no use. He showed them several things. He showed them how to live, how to worship, how to obey, how to completely depend upon him. Preparation in that abnormal or abnormality. And so what can we get from this? What can we, how can we grow from this? What can we learn? I have one point for this entire message. Everything else is just sub-information. Sub but one specific point. It's very elementary when it comes to Christ followers. But it's this, and, and you need to be reminded of it. It is God is the source of everything. Let me help you out. God being the source of everything. He's the source of life. Something valuable, I've, I've heard this many times, and I'm going to repeat it to you. It says, you are not ready to live until you are ready to die. Honestly, we can think about, you know, people dying every day. We see within the news, you see, uh, you know, different diseases, cancers, heart failures, uh, accidents, acts of violence, uh, you know, uh, the pandemic, COVID-19. We don't desire to die. We actually desire to live and to witness quick life change within our own lives. We, we have witnessed that. We've seen biggest economies falling apart. We've seen job losses. We see fear facing people like never before. We see such civil unrest right now with all throughout our communities and country right in this moment. So much uncertainty. We can glean a lot from right now, never forgetting this, that God is still the source of everything. That even when we're going through moments of struggle, that God is still teaching us and we're to glean from that. We're to, we're to grow in that, not just when things are going great, but also when things are a struggle. So no matter where we are in life, God always gives direction. You might need to hear that again. No matter where you may be in, in life, God always gives direction. God was giving direction to his people. We're going to take a glimpse of some of the things he was teaching them. The first thing he was teaching them about was idolatry. We don't even use this term any longer, but watch this. One thing you should get is that we as a culture and even as a church world have been into idolatry, running after anything else in order to fill the hole, the void, and the gaps within life to bring some sense of satisfaction. Now, a lot of people will argue with me and say, well, it has brought me satisfaction. It may have, only for a season. Only Christ can give you the eternal satisfaction that is needed within your life. The joy, the peace. Once we collect those things of our relationships that we have been running toward, many times we actually end up realizing how empty we truly are. That's why God says that he's a jealous God. That if we were to follow anything else other than him, you and I would be greatly disappointed. If I were to say, has that ever happened in your life? I, every hand in here should go straight up. Yes, there's been moments in my life where I have looked to relationships or other things before looking to God. And every single time, those things have failed me. So as we see the pilgrimage of all of this happening within the children of Israel, we, we come upon this, a deeper connectedness. Growing deeper with God and with others. 
What are they doing in this season? They're becoming more dependent upon God and less dependent upon themselves. Why? Because they had no provision. They were completely relying on God. Doing things on their own merit was only causing more difficulty. But when they were relying on God, their difficulties were no longer theirs, but rather his. Here's another thing that they were doing, and God was teaching them throughout all of this, is intense worship. Listen, our online worship has been great, and I, we're going to keep it, and it's going to continue to go. And we're so thankful for all of you who have the opportunity to watch us online. That's great. Drive-in church was fantastic. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I heard a lot of that. That's for sure. If I don't hear another horn, I'm good. You know? For real. But all of that was, was fantastic. But, but can I just be honest with you? There is something about coming together as the body of Christ and being able to worship with one another and see, well, at least part of our faces with one another, right? And what, have those relationships either rekindled or forming all over again. There's something about it. You know, I told Brad, probably, uh, we've been in, in preparation for probably two months to, to get back into some sense of a service like we're doing now. And I said, man, when we open up, dude, that worship, you, no pressure, but, it, but it's got to be here. You know, we've got to take it to another level. And uh, man, he's doing a great job. But God taught the children of Israel while in the wilderness all about worship. You know, all through that, what? Stage one was the normal, but stage two was the abnormal. And in other words, increasing not being bashful, but increasing, going after, having the deeper connectiveness, getting rid of all of the idolatry. In fact, um, we are being pushed from what was known to the unknown, not only within society, but also within the church. Numbers uh, 13, the children of Israel had moved from their normal, and now they were approaching what would be that new normal or the promised land. I'm going to read this scripture, Numbers 13, 1. It's not in your notes, but it says this. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am doing something. What does it say? He's, well, it's not up there. I'm sorry. I am giving. Do you know when somebody gives something, there's no strings attached or there should not be any strings attached to it? What does that mean? It's freely given up. God is saying, I'm giving you this. All you have to do is walk in my way. Just listen to my voice. I'm not going to fail you. I'm the source of everything. Hear that still small voice. Quiet all the rest of the noise around you, right? That's what he's saying. At least that's what I get from it. He's saying, which I am giving to the Israelites. You know, I see here that we are in a decision or in a season where we must make some decisions. How will we engage our choices? How will, will we be rather visionary and will we step out and, and, and find different ways and newer ways and better ways to be able to present the gospel without thinking to ourselves, hmm, if I could just get back to the way things were. Well, maybe things won't necessarily just get back to there. And if you stay in that type of mentality, you'll never, you'll never get to the place where God intended you to be. Numbers chapter 13, verses 30 through 31 reads this way. 
Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. So here you have a voice that, that is listening to God. He wants to move into that promised land. He's doing it what? Let's move in faith. Let's move in boldness. Let's believe God. Yes, it might, there, it might seem as if there's giants and swarms of them all around. It might look like impossibilities and challenge after challenge after challenge. But wait a minute, God said to do it. And if God said to move, then we need to move. If God said to go in that direction, then we need to go into that direction. Be careful with the voices that you hear within your life. If it opposes the voice of God and his Holy Spirit, don't go in it. It goes on to say, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. Why? Because the new normal, the newness, the unknown was intimidating. It was not familiar. Does that resemble anything within your own life? Have you ever allowed fear to lead you rather than faith to propel you? Sure. We've all been there. And so we should learn from those moments and understand that when God says to move and he speaks into our lives, that we should be doing that. Silence the voices of this world and our culture and our society and amplify the voice of God. Come on, guys, this is good preaching. If you ain't getting nothing from this, mm, you're asleep. Numbers chapter 14, let's go right into that. Verses 1 through 4 says, That night... All the members of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly, and I look at that as culture and community, right? Said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Are you kidding me? They have seen God do so much. God has promised, literally promised them the very best. Given them the best leader giving them the way to go, but yet they're still going to say, ah, I'd rather go back to the way things were than to go into the new season that God has established. God has promised the greatest evangelistic moment for us and provided that the world may never see again. The church is able to step forward in all the noise and the uncertainty and proclaim the gospel message in such a manner that people will. They will listen. This is not the season for us to run from, but it is a season for us as a church to embrace. As the body of believers, we've been praying for spouses and family members. We've been praying for God to break the mold and build us up. God, do something different. Bring change. God, do something. And he's saying, here it is. I'm giving you the platform to do it. What are you going to do with it? I have promised it in your life. Scripture goes on to say, why is the Lord bringing us to this land? It said, only to let us fall by the sword. They were listening in that moment to poor leadership. They were listening to many other voices instead of being led by the voice of their leader. He goes on to say, our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. God already provided. God had already laid before them the recipe to success. But because it didn't fit their mentality 
and their expectation and made them uncomfortable. They tried to make something on their own. Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to like go against God? Or, or maybe you didn't even actually know what you were doing. But, but, but you're going against you know, what his purpose, plan, and will is for your life because you think you, what? you have the answers. I've been there. Can I tell you what that spells? Disaster. Here's the thing. When we have fear, we have uncertainty. And that can cause us to move back to contentment, dysfunction, the familiar, and the normal. Moses, we would rather die in abnormality or back to the whip in the chain of Egypt than face the new normal. See, we are praying for God to deliver from certain things. We face fear, and now they are wanting to go back to the sin or dysfunction. You know, I, I often take a look back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse, and chapter 11 and chapter 12. Those are your big faith chapters. You have men and women of God who accomplished great feats, did wonderful things. God called, had purposed, willed for their lives. But let me tell you something. It didn't take place because they just sat there and depended upon God to do everything. But what did they have to do? They had to propel in faith. They had to act in faith. And when they did, God responded. Could you imagine God responding for us as individuals and for us as a church on the things that we've been praying for. And he's saying, listen, I am giving you the platform to accomplish that. I'm just waiting for you to respond so then I can revise you. Not advise, but revise you. That means change your makeup, change who you've been into what I originally designed you to be. God, uh, realign us into your plan. Next thing is Embrace. We need to embrace this present time. It may be uncomfortable, but embrace it. Why? Because God is doing something right now in your life. Embrace this time, no matter how crazy or insane or uncertain or so much doubt. Embrace God during this season. Why? Because it is a time of preparation. This is where you're growing. This is where you're being taught by the Spirit of God. And then lastly... Engaging. You have to engage into the future. Faith always propels us forward. The majority of God's people didn't want to embrace the new normal or change. And we read in the scriptures that they ended up dying in that wilderness or in that desert. Years later, God brought forth a new generation who understood that faith propels you into the unknown. And they were able to step into that promised land. I want you to experience, and I want us as a church to experience, exactly what we've been seeking, petitioning, and praying before God about. And I don't want you to waste one moment with doubt and fear being allowed to define you as uncertain because of the environments around us. But we are to be faith-filled. We are to demonstrate boldness. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 says this. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Would you stand with me this morning? All of this is only possible 
because of the gospel message, the normal, the abnormal, the new normal. The normal and the fact of the matter is this, we're all sinners. We're natural sinners. That we have been separated from God. And in our normalcy, yet God still sends his only begotten son who came to this earth, lived on this earth, grew up in this earth, was set forth into ministry and accomplished things that, that we could only hope and dream of. But you know what Jesus' words were? You will do greater works than me. You will do greater. But you can only do the greater if you have the faith, if you have the boldness, if you have the tenacity that when the hard times come and the struggles come and the abnormality is your, your, your face right in front of it, that you will not give up. Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's how much he cares for you. That's how much he loves you. That whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have an everlasting life. That is the change that is the void that needs to fill that, that needs to be filled within our lives, and that is a relationship with Christ. Any other void that we're or any other thing that we're allowing to fill a void in our lives is only seasonal. But God says, if you allow his son, that is what eternal. Nothing compares to Jesus Christ. I invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads for a moment. Maybe you're here today, you don't know who this Jesus is. Maybe you're watching us online or hearing us however, whatever platform it may be for you, and you don't know who this Jesus Christ is, let me help you out. He's God's son who died for you. A brutal death, he was slaughtered. To why? Pay a price that you would never be able to pay. And it's a gift that has been freely given to all of humanity. And the only thing that it requires is for us to say yes, Lord. Yes. And all of this abnormality and all of this craziness within life. I, yes, Lord Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be my master. Be my savior. I, I, I repent of my old way. Change me and mold me. Break me down into who you want me to be, God. Because I know your future is far greater than my dreams. If that's you today... I invite you to make that commitment. And, and I want to pray this prayer, all of us in this room. Online, pray where you're at as well. In the parking lot, pray where you're at. But let's pray this prayer together this morning. Lord Jesus, today, I accept you as my Lord, my Master, and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And today, I repent of my lifestyle. Change me mold me and build me into who you have planned, purposed, and built. And in all things, I will glorify you and only you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there? I'm believing, listen, I'm believing that lives were changed today. All across this nation, all across this world, lives changed people coming to the foot of the cross and accepting Jesus Christ. But now, here's where it becomes applicable for you and I. And that is simply this. How can we 
How can we live in the uncertainty and the fear? We've been wanting God to do something. We've been wanting God to, to bring a shaking. Although we've been praying that. Don't lie, you've been praying it. Bring a change. Do something crazy, Lord. Get our attention. Has he got your attention? I challenge you that the platform that he has laid before you, let's not like be that, that, that first generation there with the children of Israel where they allow fear to define them. But let's go after what God has in store for our lives. Let's go after it. Whatever it may cost, Lord, let's do this. Whatever, whatever, God, you want to do here, I'm your vessel. I'm your instrument. God, use me. Speak through me. Put me in environments. Put me in situations. Let me be a person of influence. God, let your gospel message ring out through my life. That needs to be our prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for every person who's been a part of our two services today and, and watching, you know, here in person, watching us online, listening to us in the parking lot. Father, I am just so thrilled that we are part of the body of Christ and that you have loved us so much, Father God, that you gave your only son for us. May we never lose sight of this. May our passion grow every single day to become more intimate and close to you. But God, you have given us an opportunity you have set us on a platform to bring change. We're living in a nation right now with such civil unrest. May we as a church be the voice that says the enemy is not mankind, but the enemy is the one who is what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That the enemy is the one who is a liar and the father of all lies. That the enemy is the one who is the murderer. not one another. God, you have given us a platform to speak loudly and to proclaim the gospel message, which is a message of peace and harmony and unity and love and discipline and salvation. God, that is the purpose of the church, to minister to this hurting world. God, may we take that purpose, not look at it lightly, and, you, and be used of you to make a difference in every environment we may be a part of. Father, we love you. I love you. I thank you for that. God, bless these individuals. Bless this church. Bless this community. Bless this nation and this world. God, we love you. The psalmist tells us this, that we're to let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, our Lord. You are strength and you are a redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen, amen, amen. Hey, we love you guys. I hope you guys have a great afternoon, a great week. The ushers will uh, help escort you out. Thank you so much. See you next week.